2020 has been a year like no other. We got to put it behind us. Let's look north of the future. This is how we do it in Alaska. I mean, that was like a pretty bizarre intro to the new year, but I, you know, I like, honestly, I was like, okay, yeah, let's, let's shoot let's just shoot and blow up 2020 you know honestly too if uh, i think the thing is with some of that stuff is we need to keep in mind is like do we hate this thing because it's dunleavy or do we hate this thing because we would hate this thing normally or not necessarily hate but like make fun of this thing and i think it's it's largely at this point for being completely honest mostly dunleavy you know related right like if yeah. if walker or somebody else had done it, it would be silly it's goofy it's okay yeah. it's you more know, it's goofy not... than really yeah. anything else so if we're, if we're being entirely fair here yeah absolutely yeah. yeah i think i think that's a great way to approach the new year and that this you know you got that kind of like spirit of forgiveness and you're like okay that's merely goofy uh it's not like evil or heinous or grounds right. for a re- or grounds for a recall yeah <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay. Hello, Alaska. Hello. I forgot how we do this anymore. Do I say hello, hello Alaska too? Yeah. Okay. Hello, Alaska. Hello, hello Alaska. Alaska. I thought you introduced yourself. I said, hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And I say, oh, right. I did it wrong. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Alaska. This is Pat Race. And this is Matt Buxton. And this is a podcast about Alaska. Uh, Today is the first day of the new year, and uh, we're going to talk about 2020 and how great it was and what we're looking forward to in 2021. You know, I think this idea came from um, Rhonda McBride reached out to us and and had us come on K2 and and talk a little bit about the year. And I think we both vastly overprepared for it and had a ton of stuff we wanted to talk about and we didn't really cover it all. So I think we wanted to just, we're like, oh, well, we have a podcast. Let's turn that into a show. And so, um, you know, I, when I looked back on the year, like it's an, first of all, it's like an interesting time to reflect is like, we come up with these arbitrary markers in time. And we're like, what was, how, how did that chunk of time perform? Let us evaluate 2020 is over, but I don't think we're like, you know, we're not out of the woods on the pandemic and there's a lot of weird stuff happening in government. And it's like, it's not a, it's not a real demarcation. It's sort of an imaginary line. Um, but it's fun to look back anyways. Yeah. I think kind of my big sort of thing when I was sort of thinking about all this is like, you know, is, was 2020 like a a bad year, a good year? Like, because I think like there's a lot, I mean, obviously I think that the, the, the answer obviously is that it's a bad year. A lot of bad things happen, you know, a lot. And, you know, luckily I haven't, you know, my haven't been personally affected by the pandemic. Um, you know, all my friends and family are happy, you know, healthy and, and mostly employed. Um, but, and I think there are like, a but there is like a lot of like kind of new sort of learning sort of new endeavors that I think a lot of us took on in the last year or the last nine months, maybe to varying levels of success. I think this, this podcast over the, the pandemic is maybe a good example of that. But I think there's like a lot of places where I think, 
um, the new sort of time alone or uh, in isolation or whatever this is has sort of created like new avenues in, in life, you know, whether that's, you know, gaming online or reconnecting with new people or picking up new hobbies. Um, yeah. I don't think it's it's definitely not like a replacement for the goods the normal stuff that we lost this year but it's it's a thing i guess yeah so i mean so that reminds me of this story of my 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 buddy here in town who had a a heart problem and he um went to the hospital and they said you have 100 percent blockage in your artery (laughs) how are you alive we need you to go to seattle right now uh don't stop along the way and so he went down and it turned out that his body had created like a new blood vessel like a, it sent out a, a new like spiraling tendril that went out and connected to his heart and fed the blood to his heart and you know that's kind of where we are now we're we've like we've created all these little extra blood vessels because we've had <laughs> severe blockage in our communications and social interactions and things and so they aren't adequate they aren't going to keep us alive for very long but they're but they're new and they're helping us to survive and so but I, you know you asked if uh you asked if 2020 was a bad year and i don't know if it matters i don't even know if a year can right. be, can be bad you know like um you know i, I think it comes with a lot of of i it just comes with a lot of of variables and it's just a, a moment in time so i don't you know i don't know that 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 a year can be bad in the same way a person can be bad right <laughs> like right i think that's a, yeah i mean i think that's the thing is that you know it's just a moment in time and it's sort of what you know you make out of it and and i think you know i think measuring it in a year is kind of a weird thing to start off with but it's it's sort of how we do it so do you want to talk through kind of like some of some of the year like i i tend to kind of break it down into it rather than more of a linear thing mine was sort of like into chunks of like politics and arts and culture and things yeah. like that I think um, uh, the before the, times and the after times. Yeah, one of the yeah the wild things that I you know I didn't really I, I kind of forget about. I I think it, in in a lot of ways I kind of think of 2020s almost starting on like March 13th, whatever that day was, uh, mid March where um, NBA got canceled. Tom Hanks had COVID and Sarah Palin was on uh, Mass Singer. Yeah, um, it's just kind of the day where everything like kind of went crazy and and became different right i think that was the day where it was sort of this inflection point where life was different after it and i think i forget a lot about like what happened before it right and i think there's a lot of stuff that happened in those months you know we had you know the um the recall went to court and successfully got underway um for the for the second round of signature gathering that was really kind of that that in a lot of ways sort of seemed like it was going to be this big story of the year and then the pandemic, the very thing that would stymie exactly the effort that you're trying to do, which is, you know, gathering signatures, you know, preferably at places of mass gatherings of people just wasn't going to happen anymore. And so, um, yeah, there was a lot of stuff that happened in the before time. Like, yeah, there was there, there, you know, January, February were pretty active months. You know, we had the legislature was in session and, and we were kind of careening along. And then all of a sudden we got this, monkey wrench thrown in the in the works there um the one story from like the before times that i really liked was this trumpets in the sky story from (laughs) i and i talked about this when we were on k2 but the uh 
you know, it's like those weird sounds that are in the distance in Anchorage. I, have you heard these things? Is this like a real thing? I've heard, I've heard wor- weird sounds, but I don't know if it's trumpet. I wouldn't ever have necessarily described them as trumpets in the sky. Although, so we, I, I um, bought it. Me and my partner bought a house this year, and it's it's in East Anchorage. Really love it. Everything about it's been great. Um, but it's also right in the um, flight line mm-hmm. for the appro- for the landing approach um, for Merrill Field. So we get little little kind of just planes going over our house a lot of the time. And then also every once in a while, because J-Bear is also close, we'll get just like a bunch of fighters over our house. Oh, wow. And that's kind of been – there have been days where that the, the, the flyovers of jets um, feels weird. It feels That's something that like gives me the same kind of trumpets in the sky feeling. And there are times where you hear like big loud – things that you don't you just have no idea what it is or and you just know you'll never know what it is that's kind of right that's kind of exciting yeah yeah your government at work um yes (laughs) so so what um like you know we talk about policy and politics on the show a lot um do you want to hear my list of uh of kind of this year's silence so i think one thing that um i haven't heard a lot of people talk about but i think that is is kind of a big pivotal event is the death of Gary Knopp. Um, Mm -hmm. I think that that was a huge thing uh, in terms of the shape of our legislature this year. And, um, you know, right now we're in this process where it looks like we're probably not going to know what leadership looks like in the legislature for, you know, maybe months from, from now. Right. Right. And so, um, so, you know, I think that had a really big impact in addition to like losing a state leader, um, just losing such a pivotal leader um, when there's a, con- a contentious time in the legislature. I think that's a big story for the year. Um, obviously, the Berkowitz resignation and the Maria Athens scandal, like that was Ugh. so bizarre and so strange. And it just sort of like flared up and then evaporated. And then there's just these little like bubbling hints of what remains. It's, it's really interesting with those kind of scandals. You know, this happened with Malat and with other folks where the scandal hits. And if they, you know, resign, step away, step back, you know, Clarkson, this happened this year as well. Then it kind of just like evaporates from like the public discourse and then just becomes like rumor mill stuff of like, oh yeah, I heard this other thing. Right. And, you know, like the Kevin Clarkson uh, sexual harassment kissy face scandal happened this year. Um, you know, that's still largely unresolved. I think the thing with that one that kind of keeps it in the news is that Ben Stevens told the this woman to just keep quiet and they deny it happened which is a very strange you know like that that's not okay um yeah the pebble mine tapes i think were a huge story um oh my gosh i forgot about that one completely yeah i mean that's a that's changed the the, changed the discourse around the election i don't know that it changed the election but it it certainly sunk the pebble mine mine, yeah yeah and um and then like the clark penny contract i think was a big deal i don't think that one got quite as much news but i think it was a kind of a window into into some of the um you know potential for corruption that we're seeing right now there's a lot of like contracts being handed out and it's really hard to we almost don't have enough visibility with the legislature not in session to to really know what's going on with some of that stuff the state checkbooks offline um it's very hard for a reporter like you or you know landfield or anyone to really figure out what's going on behind the scenes on some of these stories. Like what is the motivation for some of these contracts? Um, you mm-hmm. know, with, and, and they're not being very forthcoming with public records requests. 
Um, you know, so that's that's kind of an interesting thing to me. I think that that's kind of this like tip of the iceberg kind of yeah. story. Man, I was getting all excited to talk about all the bread and hobby <laughs> and painting, and now you're just bringing me down with every single thing, every one of these things. I mean, yeah, it kind of is. I think it's it's been interesting because I think in a lot of ways the pandemic has sort of revealed a lot of the underlying problems we've had, right? You know, whether it's, you know, social safety nets, public, you know, uh, you know, public health, you know, confidence in public health systems, co- confidence in public health authority, um, you know, transparency, all this sort of stuff has just radically changed. Um, and, and I think there's a little bit of, you know, taking advantage of the opportunity from, from some people, right? Because you look at the state, you know, the state's doing this, you know, one of the really underreported things is, this, you know, 50 something million dollars the state's spending to kind of redo its telework stuff reorganize and we really don't have like any good you know look at any of it you know and then this the legislature tries to hold hearings on it and nobody shows up and it's just bizarre yeah it's not been not a very good year for transparency yeah you know like a lot of what we got was like on accident like you you wrote about this but there were a lot of like cell phones of like the yeah. the, the great moment of suzanne downing showing up at the at the governor's mixer where he's like unmasked and like mingling with people yeah. and you know like hide the camera what are you doing no no I mean, it's just there's like it's so weird when your window into government is is like accidental and you're like oh that's yeah like they didn't want us to know what's going on and they're happy to keep us you know it's it's very i don't know it's a, it's a little bit annoying oh and in some areas and other areas it's been really interesting to see like you know the courts move online um in some in some aspects um it's been really neat seeing other sort of things on that end it's been at least at least there's some progress right I think the biggest story of the year is that ballot measure two passed. And I think that's one of those. He says the guy that's on the ballot measure two steering committee. I sure. Yes. Okay. That's a fair, <laughs> it's a fair criticism, but I also think, I mean, granted there's like about 200 people on that steering. Committee. It's not, it's not every day that you, you change the way that you vote. Right. And I think that that right, it's yeah. a big deal and we don't know what impacts it will have. There's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of speculation. There's a lot of, um, you know, a lot of work went into planning it, but like really when the rubber hits the road, there's going to be, a lot of things that we don't know. So it's like, you know, how will implementation work? Will it, will, will like division of elections drag their feet and uh, will there be a bunch of lawsuits or will they actually try and do some public education efforts and get people up to speed on it? Like, will it be undermined from the inside of, of the process or will it be, you know, will it actually, will it work well? Will it, will they try to implement it in a way that works for everyone? Um, you know, like, w- will there be weird political pressures from the lieutenant governor's office to, to hamstring the thing? Um, you know, like, but but ultimately, we're still changing the way we vote. And, like, it's going to have reverberations, I think, on our political system and our state for many years to come. So I'm, I'm excited about that, that. And I think it's a big I think it's a big deal, even though it, it passed by kind of like a fractional amount and still faces a lot of headwind. Yeah, no, I think like. And one of the big things, too, I mean, this year, you know, and I think it kind of stems down from nationally is that, you know, we're seeing kind of a further and further, like, sort of erosion, if there ever was, you know, if of all the credibility in a lot of Republic on the Republican side of the ticket, right? I mean, I think it's becoming more, you know, more conspiratorial, more and more sort of driven by 
um, you know, primary voters who are getting their information from kind of a, a sort of select sources, I guess is a charitable way of putting it. And, um, you know, I think, you know, I kind of look at the, you know, from talking to some part, you know, some Democrats on the on the side of, it, you know, a lot that weren't particularly happy with this measure. I think some of the thinking there, at least, is that, you know, ostensibly this helps us kind of pull things back to a sort of sane area where we can kind of de- be debating, you know, maybe policy issues again, or, you know, maybe having a little more substance in it. And I think like it's and I think that some of their problems is that like the the real problem on that other side of the ticket is the, the Republicans. Right. You know, the, the Republicans are really, you know. You know, whoever wins the primary there wins outright, typically. You know, I think it creates a system. And so I think, I, yeah, I'm really excited because I think now more than ever, having some sort of system to be able to bring in a little more um, agreement, a little more consensus into the system, I think is really important. Because I think, like, one of the things, too, this year is that I feel like it's been a year sort of dominated by extremes. Yeah. And, um, Especially kind of when you look at the, you know, how the media sort of handles both sides of the discussion, right? You know, I think you probably, if you were actually able to survey all Alaskans about how they feel about COVID and how they're taking the regulate, you know, how they're taking precautions and stuff, I bet that there's a lot more than just a simple majority of people that are taking it seriously, that are, are changing their habits, that are, that are staying home and baking bread or whatever, right? But the way that we kind of approach some of these issues is that they give sort of like a equivalency to both sides and so we feel like that and i think that yeah. what ends up happening there is it kind of ends up moving the goalposts right and so you know well, where i think everyone would agree that maybe not killing people is a good idea we end up with like this sort of false decision between everything open and and some precautions right and so i think it's all to say I'm really excited about having something that at least kind of forces upon the system um, to, you know, a way to kind of break out of these kind of established power structures that are, are maybe not particularly healthy for everybody. Yeah. Right? And I think it's kind of, this... and I think it's, it's important, I think for the media to, and myself included to kind of understand that there's more nuance than that side and the other side. Because so, you know, I'm, I'm sitting here talking about Republicans, right. In a really broad brush when, you know, I think that the evidence probably shows that, you know, probably most people, regardless of political persuasion, you know, at least are taking some kind of changes to this sort of thing. And so it's probably not fair to say that all it's all Republicans fault. Right. But it is. Yeah. Well, I, it's kind of the, it's kind of the peacock effect. Like you see I, you see like a um, you know, you, you see a crowd of people and someone is walking around on stilts with like glitter dazzle camo. And they're going to stand out, and that's going to be the person that everyone talks about. And that same thing, I think, is happening with the masking. You know, you get the the Andy Kreiners of the world, and they become a center of the conversation. They're, you know, it, the reason they're they're part of the discussion is not because everyone is behaving that way. The reason is because everyone is not behaving that way, and they're and they're shocked yeah. that someone is. You know, so it's so it's certainly. The, the reason that we're that we talk about some of those people or like the reason they st- stick out is because they're you know that's not how most people are behaving when i go to the grocery mm-hmm. store the person who is not wearing a mask is the one that st- stands out because most people are wearing masks um right you know and so that that's it's just it's i think it's kind of natural to turn our attention to the 
to the peacock, right? Like, and especially like if you're if you're doing the news, you're like, oh, that's going to be an interesting story. Why is that guy wearing right. stilts and glitter camo? <laughs> so, <laughs> like, yeah. And I think that's kind of one of the lessons I want to be taking into the next year a little bit is to be maybe a little like less reactive almost or less easy to rise. Because I think that's kind of where we are in a lot of these discussions is everything kind of turns to 90 or 100 like right off the bat. Yeah. You know? And I think what ends up happening is either we, we miss the nuance from the get-go or we got the wrong information from the get-go. You know, I've seen a lot of people on Twitter, you know, yeah. even from, you know, my limited circle that end up sharing stuff that's not true, right? Or, or, or you know, shared under a, a misleading title. And I think, um, I think we should be more careful about that. I think also and just being more patient with ourselves more patient with others is going to be really important because you know the next you know i think in some ways like psychically like i i sort of see the end of 2020 as some sort of you know magical turning point in in all this sort of misery we've been going through and it's not right we're we're, you know we're still many months away from being able to kind of return to normal uh, and go to the you know go out and do what we used to be doing in a normal way. Yeah. And well, and, um, and Matt, not to be overly cheery here, but this could be like really the beginning of the decline of the human race as we as we face the inexorable march <laughs> of climate change. You know, like I think that that's like kind of the thing that we're that we're sort of like we're like okay, yay, the pandemic's over, but we've got a lot of other shit to deal with. That's like I mean, that's that's the biggest travesty of the you know this Trump administration, right? Or the last four years is that you know we have not only not only is it squandered time where we really should be responding to these major issues, but we've many in many ways taken like like in completely insincere step steps backwards, right? Yeah. They're not they're not. They're not not even making anybody else except for, you know, select few richer. It's not like there's more jobs. I really need my this, shower right? to put more water out, like more water from my shower head. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's just right. like this, the battles of like, let's revive the coal industry that is dying anyways. Like it's, yeah, it, like it's, people are moving on. <laughs> there's new, there's new. And I think that's kind of, I, you know, I, I think, you know, I, I, for 2020, for so many people, you know, the way you judge the year is going to be, you know, largely personal. And that's, and that's how we judge every year, right? It's not necessarily the big news stories, but kind of what we sort of experience as individuals as we go through it. Right. And so, um, you know, I think maybe, you know, there are some places where we're trying to, you know, we've learned, you know, and, and hopefully we can come out of it with this year with a lesson about how we're, how you know how we approach work, how we approach you know creativity or connections or community or anything like that. I think you know, I think it's been really interesting to see because I've been doing the you know work from home thing since 2017, right? Yeah, wow. And um, you know I've even learned you know a lot of new lessons this year, seeing other people go through it. Um, I think kind of learning just how to be productive and also how to you know the truth of the matter is that most people's most creative types, you know, most keyboard types jobs it doesn't take eight hours right you know it's not it's not a firm solid sort of thing and i think being able to you know go for a walk in the middle of the day or you know do something different you know while especially while there's light out is really a bit of nice sort of discovery for a lot of people um yeah it's, and it's, i think some of those things I, I hope those are some of the i hope those are the kind of lessons you know that we 
take forward. Yeah, that we kind of hang hang on to the good the, stuff and sort of yeah yeah. And maybe we can apply them to you know climate change, right? As as we you know slowly microwave ourselves to death and. Yeah, well, we'll, yeah. we'll see how that goes. I mean, that's good. Yeah. That's that's a bigger problem. That's maybe um, I think climate change is an important topic of discussion, but it's not. It's it's amazing how little it's been a, a part of 2020. You know, and maybe right. maybe 2021 is the is the year that we have start having some of that serious discussion. Um, shifting topics uh, from politics to. Um, you know, from politics to, to like m- more communication and community and arts and culture. I think this has been a really amazing year for Alaska. Um, and maybe because of the pandemic, um, there's been a lot of people having to kind of reach outside of their communities in new ways. People are, uh, there's a bunch of like dancing and beating and string stories and, you know, TikToks and food and celebration of culture online that I've, that it just feels like it's exploded this year. And, and that's been really exciting to see and like learn more about. Um, there's a lot of mainstream stuff happening and particularly with like Northwest coast art, there's the, the Elizabeth Paradovich coin came out this year, which was a big deal that the $1 coin, it's beautiful. Um, uh, Michaela Goad just did the Google doodle the other day, which was awesome. It had a, it was super cool. Yeah. 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 And, um, Rico world did the USPS stamp. There's like a Raven stamp mm. with like Clinket form line. And I don't know. It's just, um, it's kind of a, a like a it's a really big year um, for Alaska Arts, and then I think you know Molly of Denali um, picked up like a Peabody Award, um, and and that's been a really interesting show too because it's like this it's mainlining Indigenous culture into into you know a lot into the national discourse, which is pretty pretty exciting. Yeah, and I, I I don't know I I'm really touched by it too because it's not like a dis it's not necessarily a disnification of anything either too like. It it talks about some of the issues, you know, that, you know, the sort of the cultural and um, trauma that that people have suffered, you know, and, and I, I think there are, you know, you look at, you know, Disney, Disneyfication is a very, you know, it's a very real thing, right? You look at yeah. how, you know, how we, they kind of rewrote the story of the West and, and U.S. expansion and, and wars and all that sort of stuff. And I think to kind of go in and be able to talk about, you know, the, the boarding schools and, and the sort of you know, the erasure of, of culture that happened through that is really cool. I mean, I think that's really important to, to, to really understand, you know, it, we're not going to get over, you know, a lot of these traumas without at least confronting them and understanding them and kind of, and, and moving, you know. Yeah. You have to kind of acknowledge that they happened first before you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which, right. It's amazing yeah, how little, how and little think, we learn about this stuff in school, you know, it's. Yeah, and I think you know, and that, that really does sort of fit into the broader sort of scheme or broader sort of trend of the racial justice movement this this year, that I think has been really, um, I don't know, really really great to see. I think it's been, you know, I think it, unfortunately it's been the sort of thing that's of course sort of gone off the rails as the media sort of both sides of the whole issue as as it is prone to do. But I think there's some really, you know, a, a great you know, luckily these things aren't you know decided by the media, you know, and aren't decided by that sort of thing. And, and so I think the, there's a, been a big, you know, continuing sort of democratization of, of, of platforms and, and, and voices. And it, it, you can kind of, it's, there's more of an audience there than there's ever been for, 
for sort of new and different voices out there. And I think that's, and there's an easier way, you know, easier barrier of entry for a lot of them. So it's been really neat to see. Even, even here in Juneau, we had like a, a Black Lives Matter march and it's, you know, we don't have a large black community, but I think that seeing, tying that into this national movement, I think indigenous um, voices are springboarding off of some of that. You know, it, it's, it impacts kind of everyone who's like underrepresented and, and not heard. And I think that it, it empowers everyone's voice to support groups like that. And I just watched this film called Crip Camp. It's a documentary about this camp um, where people in wheelchairs and with multiple sclerosis and, um, you know, they, like all kinds of different, you know, polio and and different physical and mental disabilities, like, attended camp. And it was just this, like, kind of hippie commune 70s camp thing. And a lot of the people that went there grew out of that and became part of the movement that got the, you know, Section 504 and the ADA mm -hmm. um, and, you know, Americans with Disabilities Act and got that stuff passed in the next decade or two. And it was um, it was a really interesting thing because I, I don't think I ever learned a lot about that movement, but it had a lot of follow on to the civil rights movement, you know, to the to mm -hmm. Martin Luther King. And and all of a sudden it was like these people kind of saying like, hey, we deserve rights too. like we should be able to access public facilities. You know, we should have bathrooms that work for us. We should have we should be able to go to a university. We should be able to attend public school. Um, and so I think that like the great thing that's going to grow out of the George Floyd protests and the Black Lives Matter movement is that like that group is certainly more visible and, and will have an impact. But also I think they're empowering all these other groups of, you know, like people, yeah. people who are trans that are, you know, like there's just like tons of different groups that have social and political disparity. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think it's, it's one of those things where, um, you know, I think we are, a lot of people are being forced to really recognize and acknowledge, you know, the sort of, trauma and unfairness and injustice and inequity that is sort of built into the society. And I think um, it, it's happening in, I think, in a lot more kind of organic and and sort of ways than ever before. And I think, you know, I, I you know, one of the things I always, it always kind of bothers me is that, you know, whenever, <clears throat> you know, whenever we're talking about some of these discussions, it's always like, incumbent upon the person of color or or whoever to like prove that they're being discriminated against and prove that they're being harmed and it's i think we're kind of moving past that i i think there's more discussions of you know of like white people informing other white people about stuff and i think that kind of helps i think it it, it um basically we're not kind of asking we're getting to a point where we're not necessarily having to ask people to like continually relive, relive their trauma to like justify their existence and, right. and why we maybe shouldn't be for it. And so I think some of those discussions I think are just really good. I think there's a lot of kind of movement on that front that for me, I think it is heartening to see that, you know, we're not necessarily asking, you know, we're not turning to the, our person, you know, a person of color and being like, well, what do you think about this? We kind of can know, we start to, our, you know, the compass, the the kind of the moral and ethical compass, I think, is starting to get sort of closer to, you know, a equitable north, I guess. Yeah. And it's for lack of better. It's been, you know, it's been a hard year for, for a lot of us. And I think, you know, even you go back to that Dunleavy clip, and I think it's even been yeah. a hard year for, for our reclusive, you know, man of privilege governor. And I think that the, 
now that we've all kind of like lived under a pandemic, I think we we're starting to understand, even those of us with, with immense privilege are starting to understand what it's like to kind of live with some constant background radiation, you know, whether that's, Mm -hmm. whether that's political, um, or whether that's, uh, health related or, or whatever it is. Like, I think that we're all kind of experiencing for the first time, just a little hint of what it's like to be a person of color uh, in the United States to just kind of mm-hmm. have a constant thing gnawing on you. And I think that like, for me, at least it's, it's really a reminder that like, as bad as things are for me, like I'm getting some context finally for, for what it, for how good I've had it. And, and, mm-hmm. you know, it's not that I want everyone to like suffer, but I feel like that, that in, in suffering through 2020, I think that we're all kind of like learning that maybe like, Oh, it should be better. It should be better for all of us. Like, like I don't want to just go back to normal for me, but I want other people to not have to live their lives and feel like this all the time. Right. Yeah. Anyways, I don't know when I asked about, uh, you know, what's, what's going on in, uh, in, in 2020, uh, one one of the interesting little like cute responses I got on Twitter was, um, that the morel mushrooms were really, really good this year. And, uh, I said, well, why is that? You know, I kind of assumed like maybe it was raining or something a lot. And, um, but it was because of the forest fires in 2019 and, uh, you know, they burnt down all like a whole ton of forest and, and it created like the perfect environment for these mushrooms to grow. And so like, I think that in 2021, I'll be looking for those, uh, like trying to find those little mushrooms because, you know, like there's. And I'm not saying it's good that the forest burnt down. That sucks. But it's <laughs> but but I think that there are there are going to be really good things that grow out of 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think there's a lot of um, yeah new opportunities, new ways to sort of approach and do things. You know, that's why I kind of I I think you know I, I look a lot at you know my my whole job and career I guess has really been you know centered around the Alaska legislature in a lot of ways, and I think a lot about right now there's a whole issue about you know the organization but really the the big issue is how they're going to be approaching covid in the halls there and yeah. i think there's a lot of discussions around that and the the, the fact of the matter is that you know they're not or <clears throat> there's a, you know discussion about whether they should be vaccinated whether they should be traveling that sort of stuff and that's a that's a whole separate issue but i think you know there's kind of it's it's a it's sort of a bummer that they can't get it together to do it in a safe way where you know because i feel like right now we're the way they're setting themselves up is basically to go for like the bare minimum and get done again and it's really too bad because i think there's a lot of energy and to sort of talk about some of these issues and i think there's a lot more consensus than we would kind of be led to believe sort of by the punditry and the sort of divisive sort of narratives around it um so i you know i wish that we could you know, I, I, if I kind of had a magic wand, I would either tell them to stay home until they figure it out, you know, and start session then, or to figure out a way to do it telephonically or digitally, because they've done, honestly, do most of it already online. And, um, yeah, it, I think, I mean, you it's, know, it's, it's tough it, for the people who've been up there for long, like the staffers really, uh, the staffers do a ton of the work behind the scenes and really r- yeah. run the show. And they're the ones that are going to be, you know, they're going to be in the building and really put at risk. And so, yeah. You know, I think it's it's pretty disrespectful of the legislature to to not have, you know, to not <laughs> do this with them in mind. Right. So, 
Yeah. Well, and and to Juno too, right? I mean, you guys are going to all of a sudden be having, you know, 60 people plus the assorted staff going in and out of the community, Uh, you know, some of them every weekend, right? You know, and so. Well, and then um, going out to the bars with no masks on. And I mean. Yeah. So, yeah. So, yeah. So maybe that, maybe that mushroom will take, you know, we'll have to wait till 2022 when we can really finally pick it. Um, with our new newly minted election system i don't know <laughs> what do you what do you see happening in terms of like the organization and the legislature this year so right now we're what do we we're looking at the house and the senate don't have organization and this happened last year and really set yeah. things back um well again i i think if it was a normal year where they could plan on having the full sort of run of things and they want to do all the legislation they want to do it that's that's a whole messier discussion but the the fact that we are in the middle of a pandemic still that they're going into session kind of knowing that it's really going to be this sort of super spreader event in the making because like someone's going to get sick because someone's going to go to a bar or whatever you know or, or party or do whatever they're already in close quarters. Even if they're being careful, it's like a high risk. So I guess I kind of like knowing that, again, it's going to be kind of a race against the clock, but between when they can get done and when, you know, before they ever, you know, before COVID shuts it down because. Well, they might get vaccinated just, too, right? They're not in, well, they're, at least they're not in the, the next schedule for it. Well, yeah, but the second, I mean, I don't but, know. I feel yeah. like. Oh, well, and then, you know, there are a lot of them are over 65, yeah. right? So they'll be in that sort of thing. But. I think I, I, from my my perspective, I kind of I try to figure out okay, well, what do they need to do this year? And that's pass the budget, right? And then you work backwards from that, and and you have the governor coming out with you know he does have a very you know if, if it's a very moderate you know kind of status quo budget. There's the big question of do we want to pay out fifty two hundred dollars in PFDs or whatever it is, and, and sell out our all of our savings for it, which I think. I mean, that's the whole, that's the discussion we should have actually is, because I think, I mean, like if there is ever a time to pay out a bunch of money to individuals, it, it this might be about the best time to make that argument, right? I mean, I think that, you know. Yeah, I don't think we're, that's actually we're setting gonna... We're completely setting aside any sort of issues about the equity of how those payments go out, you know, how we pay for those things. But I think like they're, like the federal government should be paying I think there should be more regular payments to people to help them stay home. No, I think, right? you know, I think this is just like, I, I tried to keep my campaign promise and the legislature was the one that didn't want yeah. to pay you money. This isn't, I'm very jaded, no, jaded I, on this. I don't think that Dunleavy actually, I don't even know that he wants to give that money out other than like, I don't think he does you know, either. Like, I, I, oh, I absolutely don't think he does. And I think, I think there's an interesting discussion there to be had about, like if you were to take, you know, maybe not a dividend, but a tailored stimulus payment to people who actually need it. Right. Yeah. Maybe there's a discussion to be had in that, but that's not, that's not the form of this discussion. And then also for being honest, like there's, they're not going to pay out that $5,200. Yeah. They might pay out something more, but they're not going to pay out. that. He's much. just teeing up the, the legislature to look bad on the PFD issue. Yeah. But so anyways, you, you know, I think you, you take into account the fact that there's not going to be, a whole lot of energy to do anything beyond getting that budget done. Um, I think it's just going to kind of, you know, I, I wouldn't, I think that we'll have some kind of bipartisan sort of slim bipartisan group in both chambers or at least the center house. I mean, um, 
you know, probably a 22 member majority, something like that, um, that just passes the budget, you know, and kind of gets done and, and kind of without too, you know, the governor's budget doesn't, isn't, it's, it's, I mean, it's not good. And you look at the details of it and it's not great. Right. But it's not like this sort of, you know, burnt earth sort of plan that he's sort of done the earlier kind of year. Right. So, you know, I, th- I think there's a lot of people who could kind of look at it and say, well, this isn't great, but we'll take it. Right. And we'll, we'll go home and we'll not all get sick. And I think that's kind of, so I think it's a very kind of 2020 sort of like just sort of shrug. We're getting, we're getting, we're surviving kind of budget, right. It's not going to be, you know, I think, you know, I think there's some really interesting discussions that we could be having about, you know, you know, public health and and really public health and, you know, business, small business development, those sort of things that are, I think are, are really important discussions to be having right now. We're not going to have them because there's just not the energy for it. So I just, I don't, you know, I, I think, I, I think that a lot of people are going into it still with the kind of the typical, the traditional thinking of, of whatever about it. Um, and I just, you know, I think, I think at the end of the day, they're going to go, well, we just got to get in there and get the votes to pass a budget. So let's do that. And we'll hold our breath, hold our nose and do it. And then we'll come back later and figure it out. But you know, that's what they did earlier this year, right? They kind of held their nose and got it done and then never came back. Yeah. So, so you think this will be a, a shrug it off legislature, even though there's a lot of new people? I think so. Well, I mean, I think, I think the dividend is going to be the issue, right? You know, I think you have a lot of people who are, you know, I, I hate sort of bash. You know, I, I bash on Republicans all the time and, you know, probably with good reason. But, you know, there's just a lot of people right now that are coming in, especially, you know, most of the new people faces are going to be on the Republican side of the ticket um, or aisle or whatever who are very low information. Right. A lot of people, you know, we saw in a lot of the forums basically saying, well, I'll. I'll study the numbers when I get to Juno. Oh. I don't have any plan because I don't know the numbers. Yeah. And it's just like, oh, you know, I, so I think, I think. So um, you're saying they're going to get to Juno and learn what the numbers are and then be like, oh, wait, maybe my plan that I had before knowing any of the numbers is not a good plan. I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of people who are going to have second thoughts about being in the legislature. I wouldn't be surprised <laughs> if we have several people who don't run again, you yeah. know, if I, you know, from being completely honest with it, because I just think that like, you know, a lot of the sort of discussions around it was this sort of disaffected idea with how the legislature works. that was kind of built on this sort of unrealistic or sort of false idea of how the legislature works in the first place. Right. So we had all this sort of consternation about the binding caucus and about Kathy Geisel and about how all this sort of stuff worked. And it's kind of how it has to work. Otherwise you're not, not going to have a, like not gonna be able to pull everything together. And so I think there was some like very, you know, strategic sort of, you know, disinformation about everything this year. And I, so I think those people are going to get in there and see how it actually works. And either they're going to step up and sort of meet the moment or they're going to be completely useless and sort of, you know, almost sort of, I just am not, I don't have a whole lot of hopes for anything out of this session. Right. Yeah. It just, I don't think there's going to be much air for anything. And I think if we, if it was a normal year, if they could somehow, you know, do the session in a bubble. Right. Um, I think it would be just as divided, right. Because the politics are so kind of narrowly divided on so many issues that, I wish, you know, I think there are probably some areas where there's some consensus that you, 
you could be building around some issues, but I just don't. I just don't. I'm not. I'm not super optimistic about it. I'm more optimistic about outside the legislature when we talk about, you know, new ways to work and new ways to connect with each other and new ways to be productive and happy. Yeah. And the legislature right now is a misery machine in my. Opinion. <laughs> are you Are you getting tired of covering the legislature? Is that something you want to continue to do, or like? I mean, I know it's a good it's a good job for you. Like, is it a thing that you like you have just so much institutional knowledge? Like, what do you want to do with that? You know, I, 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 I oh, man, that is a that is a deep existential question. I mean, I've been doing this for nearly 10 years now. Yeah. Right. This is going to be this this year will be my 10th legislative session covering, I think. Um and it's gotten it's know. amazing because over those 10 years it's gotten progressively weirder and weirder and weirder. do you ever think maybe you're the problem matt <laughs> maybe yeah maybe, maybe it was, you know i got on twitter I, it was me joking around on twitter and, and posting gifts and stuff and it just i just took it all off the rails i'm sorry and, everybody <laughs> and now we're in the middle no, of the pandemic and it's all you your know, fault I, I, you know, I I get a lot of enjoyment out uh, or, you know, s- s- fulfillment and satisfaction out of being able to take something that is complicated and sort of obtuse like the legislature, like a lot of, you know, a lot of this fall has been following court cases, for example, and being able to take all of whatever I know about it and being able to kind of distill it and explain it to people. So I don't ever plan on leaving Alaska at this point, but I think I'll always sort of find some outlet to be able to want to continue to do this, whether it's the podcast, whether it's, you know, this blog or a different blog or something else. I think that like at my core, I feel like, um, you know, I want Alaska to be a better place that everyone can live at in, you know, and kind of find their own sort of happiness and community. And I think, for me, the most useful method I found so far is to make sure people are informed and understand this sort of very obtuse and sort of, you know, kind of bizarre system. Yeah, you you do a good job of communicating. Like that's been like I, I I've read some of your um like the court cases that you follow. I've read some of those threads, and it's really nice. Uh, it's nice to see them unpacked, and it's nice to yeah. see you know there are a lot of voices that are it's basically the peanut gallery, right? But there are a lot of really good voices in and around Alaska politics. You know, there's like Mm -hmm. the climatologists and there's uh, the like data junkies and there's Mm -hmm. um, public records people. There's lawyers, you know, the the Alaska cases bought and Will Muldoon doing his stuff and, you know, the um, just like... Libby Bacalar. Yeah, Yeah, there's a lot of good commentary like around around the legislature, around policy, around um around data in alaska and like i i like that that ecosystem has felt like it's grown you know it's not just yeah it, i feel like it just used to be cliff grow like yeah you know, like he would well, it'd be like here's my my four squares of the economy and cliff grows mm-hmm. the only guy that has any sort of external peripheral you know <laughs> they're just were yeah. kind of wasn't a lot of like activism and it's because that's sort of something that's grown over the last decade that's been really cool to see is there are a lot of people that pay attention and communicate to each other uh, and to to Alaskans uh, in in terms they can understand. Yeah, and I think yeah, I think that's like you know I think that's sort of the benefit and of Alaska. It's it's a big small community in in a lot of ways, and so you know knowing that you know what I write 
you know, might not reach a ton of people, but it reaches sort of the right people, right? And yeah. and so being able to, you know, have the kind of working relationship I have with legislators or even, you know, some, you know, congressional delegation in, you know, in, in different times, you know, the governor's office, right, has is, is been a really interesting sort of place to be. And um, being able to, you know, be able to come in and be able to have a voice and be able to sort of help sort of inform that discussion has been really fun, right? Like, I think, you know, I always look back to when I got into journalism is back in high school and I was working for the student newspaper. I really wanted to be a photographer, right? Like, that was my thing. And then I went to college and realized that I was not as good as everybody else. And I was also not willing to, like, to live the photographer life of being constantly trashed all the time in your professional outlook and also not paid at all. Um, But back in high school, like, I, I, I... I think I wrote an art was like the one article I ever wrote for that, for the student newspaper. It was about, you know, graffiti on our school and, and who did it. And it was related to a football game and there was an investigate. And it was, it was kind of cool to me. It was cool because I was, I, there's all these rumors that were going around and I was able to go and talk to like the, the principal and everybody else and kind of get the story. And I knew what was going on and it was kind of, it's like having that knowledge and having like being in the know has always sort of been like, like a rush for me in some way. And so like knowing this stuff and then being able to turn around and tell everybody else the story has been really good. I think, I, I don't know. I think like as long as I can tell a story or understand a story and be able to tell that story and, you know, in the context of journalism, tell it accurately has been really like that's what I want to keep on doing, and I don't know if the the legislature is going to be that avenue, but you know maybe I'll write the great, you know the next great novel about my exp- moving to Alaska and being a sourdough, right? <laughs> like, are, are there any are there any things that we missed from this year that you want to talk about? No, I think you really got everything. I was sort of every all the major stuff. I mean, there's so many like weird little stories around the edges, but I guess. Yeah, you yeah. started this all off by kind of talking about the recall, and I thought that was an interesting thing. You know, like it, I've been involved in that effort, and um, they, it's it felt like it was happening, right? And it, it right. got to be springtime, and all of a sudden, um, the pandemic hit, and people couldn't go out and gather signatures, and and beyond that, all the volunteers really had to like turn their attention inward. Like you know, people are saving their businesses and protecting their families, and you know, your your focus on volunteer tasks really dries up when you're, when you're in the middle of a pandemic all of a sudden. And so, um, you know, that I feel like the recall, like there was definitely people still working on it, but it kind of effectively ground to a halt. And, uh, right. you know, they're about what 68% of the way done on collecting signatures, but it's just kind of been like frozen in time. And, you know, I think that, I think in 2021, I think we're going to either see, kind of a reawakening of that effort like that's either going to be revived in a serious way or we're going to see it sort of dissolve and and uh and, and dissipate and i don't know which it'll be and it's the time yeah. the timing is interesting you know because um dunleavy's been in office two years now right and so two more years seems like a long time um but also i think there are people that are coming to terms with like okay well whatever i can make it yeah i think like it's hard to, you know, divine what's going to happen with it all, right? I think, um, you know, there's there's the timing, too, of, you know, when does the election get called? But I think, like, 
you know, there's some really important lessons and sort of the organization around it have been really effective, right? I think um, I think similar lessons in the in the Yes on Two campaign. Yeah, I think people like kind of flex their muscles. I think people learned a lot about how to run an effective campaign. And I think, um, you know, one of the things we saw, I think, with Yes on Two that was so striking to me was just how many different voices there really were in that campaign. I think, you know, you rarely I don't think there were any ads that I saw that repeated the people you know i think there was sort of new voices and new people and the i the way that um the recall movement really built a, a very kind of broad and unique coalition was so remarkable i think that really serves as um you know as a lesson about how to move forward right yeah. i think um i think any for any sort of movement to be really effective or or you know to any any politician i think your statewide politician to be really effective is to be able to reach across all these different sort of coalitions you know you have labor you have you know you have educators you have families you have alaska native community you have other minority communities you have fairbanks anchorage you know you have coastal communities all these sort of different things and you're able to in recall in yes on two you're able to kind of bridge the gap in a lot of these things where you know i think you look at you know the congressional races this year i think probably the big unsort of told story is just how sort of anemic a lot of the democratic uh, nominated candidates uh, outreach was to the last native community there was very little motive you know very little uh, mobilization there uh, yeah. i think what happens there is that you know it not only does it end up not grabbing into the communities, you know, and the votes that you need, but also I think it comes off as incredibly inauthentic. I think, you know, I think you look at Yes on Two, you look at um, Recall, and there's so many different faces from so many different ages and so many different communities that are behind all those banners that it's so remarkable. Whereas you turn and you look at some of how the congressional races were run. It's a lot of the same kind of same sort of DC faces, you know, and and a small sort of segments that don't yeah. really aren't representative in the same kind of way that we would hope. And I think yeah, you're kind of you're, that, you're kind of left asking who are these people? Yeah, like I've I've never seen him here before, right? And it, it's and I think um I think that's the lesson I think that people should be taking forward with some of that political sort of organization, right? Because Really, you know, you're any sort of progressive or even, you know, moderate or, or independent sort of issues in Alaska are always going to face the uphill battle of this sort of monolithic sort of base of Republican voters. Right. And um, it's tough to overcome. But, you know, yes on two did it. You know, I think the recall campaign sure proved a lot of people wrong in its ability to collect its signatures as fast as as fast as it did. Um, and I think that's because, you know, those both of those, I think they were able to tell a clear message about, you know, making Alaska a better, more livable, more equitable place for everybody, uh, more inclusive, right, more representative. And I think that's sort of the, the failed message that the congressional camp, the congressional campaigns didn't do on the, on the same to the same degree. Right. I think, you know, you look back to Bill Walker's win. Right. You know, that was a uh, that was an alliance between, you know, a lot of different groups that made that possible. And I think um, I think that's sort of, you know, I think I think at the end of the day, you know, a lot of us are Alaskans and, and really want to see our community and fellow Alaskans 
you know, thrive and do well and, and, and sort of find sort of the space to do well in their own ways. And, um, and, and I think there's, and doing well is, you know, can mean a lot of things to a lot of different people. And so I think, um, yeah, I think there, you know, the recall, you know, who knows where the recall goes, but I think the lessons learned there are going to be extremely valuable, uh, moving forward. Yeah. I think it's, you know, it's this connectedness of, well, like what is kind of like old Alaska, like my grandparents, Alaska, like, you know, um, it was an era when, when Bill Egan is hitchhiking to the constitutional convention or, you know, Shel Simmons with you know, the founder of Alaska airlines is flying Elizabeth Paradovich around to give civil rights talks in whenever he's got a spare seat on his airplane, you know, and it's this kind of like thing where everyone's sort of like, that's the feeling I get from like kind of the, the recall and the S on two like coalition is that like, it's kind of these people that are, um, they kind of know each other, you know, it's like they're going to give you a jar of smoked fish or whatever. And it's Mm -hmm. that kind of connectedness and that kind of community is really what I love about Alaska. And I think that that's what I see in those sort of efforts and, and they're organized. It's probably good that they're organized around issues and not around people, you know, like I don't know that we've had a politician that, that is really, you know, worth organizing around in that way. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think that's maybe part of the difficulty of like why, you know, why that, why that doesn't happen. Um, It's, it's a lot easier to, to say, you know, to say something like black lives matter and organize around that issue than it is to, to say this person is the one person who speaks for all of us and we need to promote them to the head of the line. You know, so yeah, I, I think that maybe, maybe we'll see more issues based politics in Alaska built on the successes and networks that exist here. Mm -hmm. I don't know. We can only hope. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we'll see. Anyways, um, it's been a pleasure talking to you, and I wish you the best of the new year. Yeah, and uh, let's do this more. Yeah, let's do this more this year. I'm excited about it. Yeah. Um, I, I love yeah. actually. I really like this Zoom format. You know, it's a, kind of a new thing that we've been doing, and being able to see your face is nice. And also, like like the show when we had Carol on, it was really cool to have a guest. I'd love mm-hmm. to bring on some more guests. Um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to doing more of that. Yeah, sounds great. All right. yeah, I'm really looking forward to it too. All right. Catch you later, Matt. Goodbye, Alaska. Goodbye, Alaska. You know, this is the like third Zoom call that I've ever been on. Oh, really? Yeah. How is that possible? <laughs>